So we've been in the series Asking for a Friend, which is based on the Alpha series. Like, how do we walk through this together as a community? And uh, when Matt and I started talking about this, I mean, we run Alpha each semester, and it's become just one of my favorite things. I learned so much from the content, just asking good questions. How do we ask good questions? And sometimes our responses to those questions over time change, or they get deeper, or they get nuanced. And sometimes somebody else says something and like, oh man, that helps me walk through that question. And uh, we don't say, hey, we necessarily have answers, although there are answers, and we find a lot of answers in scripture, and we find a lot of answers in God, but we, uh, we feel like the beginning spot for all, for all of us is to ask, ask good questions. Man, can't get the words out of my mouth this morning. But here are some of the questions we've been asking. Is there more to life than this? And out of that question comes another question. Well, if Jesus is one of the things that promises more, who is Jesus? How do I come to know about Jesus. And then last week we explored, how can I have faith? And it has been so rich to walk through these questions together. And today, uh, the topic today is something that inside the church, it always, like, if you're inside the church, you tend to know what you're talking about when it comes to it. But outside the church, it's like, you're kind of weird. Inside the church, like, everybody's doing it. Outside the church, like, all of a sudden you walk through the doors, and all of a sudden you understand and know how to do this thing, and that thing is prayer. Why and how do I pray? And so, really, that's, that's our goal today, is I want you to pray. But I want to take some time and explore just this topic together, and prayer is so interesting, especially this time of year, uh, you, you think about sports, and the Hail Mary passes. And you think about the buzzer beaters heaving up a prayer. Or you think about maybe some of you are Bon Jovi fans. Whoa, we're halfway there. Wow, you guys do know what the word means. That was impressive. It seems like Everyone at some point in their life prays. Studies have tried to explore this a little bit, and they show, they reveal that we do pray. 70% of Americans talk about praying almost daily. Even atheists and agnostics admit to praying, about 20% of them, about praying almost daily. Like, who are you praying to? What are you praying for? Do you even know? Do we in the church even know? And some people have come to faith through these kinds of desperation prayers. Talk to anybody on an airplane that's shaking and having turbulence. They're probably praying. Talk to a Kansas fan in the second half of a game against Texas. We're probably praying you talk to somebody in the hospital who just got a diagnosis or walking through treatments or have just lost a loved one, they're probably praying. And these prayers of desperation, these are good prayers, but it's not enough to sustain the spiritual life. Just to come to God in prayer 
at our moments of greatest need. We can, but we should come to God for all of our life. I think the issue is we can and often do, and especially in American culture, we can and often do pursue a life without God. We can. Money can get us so far. Fame can get us so far. Accomplishments can get us so far. Instagram followers can get us so far. Our Indeed account can get us so far. You know, there's so many things that can get us down the path that sometimes it's like, do we even need God? Do we even need him? Really? And for a praying life, a faithful life, it's taking the desperate, static, hollow, and empty aspects of our life and creating an ongoing, dynamic, rich, and overflowing life with God. That's what we really crave. That's what we really want. Not just the moments of desperation, but an ongoing walk with God. And so that's prayer. That's our definition. Prayer is the medium through which we pursue a personal, conversational relationship with God. And we're going to explore this a little bit. But it's the medium. It's the way we talk. Prayer is not the end itself. Prayer is the medium that we use to pursue a personal conversational relationship with God. One author said we can sum it up in talking with God. Simply talking with God. It's where the theory of faith and belief meets the practice. Okay? I have a theory and it meets the practice. Understanding the game of basketball does not make me a better basketball player. Only playing basketball does. Understanding how to play the guitar does not make me a guitarist. Understanding how to be a good husband does not make me a good husband. There's the practice of it. Understanding how to parent or parenting skills does not make me a good parent. Marie Kondo said, Recently, that she, she said, oh, I, I understand how to tidy up and keep the house clean, but then I had kids. And now my theory is changing. <laughs> because in practice, it gets a little bit different. And prayer does that sometimes. We have all these theories, these beliefs about what faith is and how we interact with God. And prayer is where we practice it out. I understand in my mind how to have a relationship with God, but I never actually talk to him. Does that make sense? But there was something about Jesus. I'm going to throw a few verses on the screen. This is just in the Gospel of Luke, and this is not all of them. It's just a few. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 6, 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, 28, Jesus took Peter, he took his friends, James and John, with him and went up on a mountain to pray. There's this theme even with being in nature, in being outside instead of in a stuffy room. He often even looked up when he prayed, not down. There's a theory that when we look down in prayer, that was a way to get uh, noisy little kids in Sunday school to pay attention Right? We look down and fold our hands like, shh, shh, don't say anything. But Jesus, when he prayed, often looked up. 
not down at the problems that were facing him and plaguing his life, but looking up at the goodness of God and the creation around him. Even when Jesus, his friend Lazarus, had died, he calls him out of the tomb and he looked up. And God, thank you that you hear me. Sometimes we need to look up. Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus had, it's like prayer was integrated in his life. I mean, he just constantly is praying, talking with God, which makes sense. He's the Lord, right? He's God. But we can learn a lot from that too. And his disciples wanted to learn there's something different. It's not just the duty of prayer for Jesus. There's a delight in prayer. And for us, my goal is that Prayer moves from just a duty, something you have to do, something people tell you inside the church, you know, hey, we pray, to delight. I love talking with God. I can tell you, I love talking with God. I love the medium of conversational life with God. And his disciples, Jesus' disciples, they went on to 11, one, if you keep reading, it says, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There's something about your prayer life that is rich and amazing. And that's, that's where, you know, if you could ask anybody, a professional, a master, how to do something, who would you ask? I would ask Steph Curry, how do I shoot a three-point shot from like way downtown? But the disciples said, teach us, Jesus, to pray. We want to know how you have this interaction with God. That's amazing. Prayer is the way we move closer to God. It is through prayer. It's delighting in God. It's how we move close. It's a conversational relationship, a personal relationship. And ever since the fall of humanity, ever since the garden, where Adam and Eve were walking in the cool of the day with God. We've been trying to get back to that kind of relationship with God. Where we can talk to him. He can hear us. He can talk to us. And Paul, in Ephesians 3, was trying to explain, like, okay, so Paul had obviously gone through Alpha, Paul had obviously gone through Alpha, and he said this in Ephesians 3 to the church. He said, in him, so starting with Jesus, in him, he asked the question, who is Jesus? In him, and through faith in him, what's the next application? We may approach God if we understand who Jesus is and what faith is, then we may approach God in prayer with freedom and with confidence. See, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, it was like, can we even approach God? Can we even talk to God? Does he even want to hear from us? And in Jesus, he opened the door for it's not just priests and prophets. Everyone, everyone can have a conversational relationship with God. We have a freedom to come to him. We're not in spiritual timeout from what we did yesterday. We can come to God. 
There's nothing that scares God from your past or your present. We have a freedom to come to him, no matter what you're walking through. And it shouldn't be burdensome to come to him. I've seen a lot of you in the mornings before your coffee. I've seen myself in the mornings before coffee. So sometimes I need coffee before I need prayer. But once I have coffee, then I can approach God with freedom and with confidence. And that's okay. God knows that. God knows who you are. And so we approach him with confidence, believing that he hears us. And then Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father and I pray. And Paul became such an example to us in prayer. But I want to explore just for a second from the video in Alpha. They explored this idea of freedom and confidence. So I want to watch just a quick clip from Alpha to help us explore this topic. Through Jesus' death on the cross, the partition, the barrier of sin, has been removed and we have access to God. It's through Jesus the Son that we have access to God the Father. A young soldier fighting for the Union Army in the American Civil War lost both his father and his brother in the fighting. He needed to return to his family's home and help his sister and elderly mother with the spring planting on their farm. And so he went to Washington DC to ask the president for exemption from military service. When he arrived in Washington, he walked straight up to the doors of the White House and asked to speak directly with the president. A young official standing guard told him, you can't see the president. The president's far too busy to see you. Get back out there and fight like you're supposed to. So the young soldier left the White House, not knowing how he would break the bad news to his family. As he was sitting on a nearby park bench, a young boy came up to him and said, why are you so unhappy? What's wrong? The soldier looked at the boy and began to pour out his heart. He told the child that since his father and brother had been killed, he was the only man left in his family. He was desperately needed back at the farm and the only person who could make it possible was the president himself. The little boy said simply, come with me. Taking him by the hand, the boy led the soldier back around to the White House. They walked through the back door, past the guards, past the generals, past the high-ranking government officials until they got to the president's office. The little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just opened it and walked in. There, standing behind the desk, studying battle plans with the Secretary of State, was President Abraham Lincoln. The president looked up and said, Oh, what can I do for you, Tad? The little boy replied, Dad, this man needs to talk to you. The soldier was given access to the president through the Son. In a similar way, St. Paul explains that through Jesus, through the Son, we have access to the Father. This takes us into the presence of God. Say what you will about Abraham Lincoln. One of the things that almost everybody has said is he was so welcoming and inviting and often made people feel comfortable, no matter what their accomplishments or what they've done or not done, he put them at ease. And that's a wonderful picture, I think, of our Heavenly Father. 
that no matter what has gone in the past, if we believe in Jesus and have faith in him, then we, through Jesus, have access to God. We can talk to God. He wants to have a relationship with you and with me. He wants to talk with us. You were created to pray. Why? Because you were created for a relationship with God. That's why you were even created. That's why we're here. So why should we pray? That's the first part of this question. Why and how should we pray? We start with why. Number one, it's relationship. And this is always the starting place. Sometimes we jump into other things and we shouldn't. We should start with relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. Brother Lawrence wrote a book, a tiny book. Actually, it was an interview with Brother Lawrence because some, somebody had noticed something. Just like the disciples with Jesus, somebody had noticed that Brother Lawrence, I call him Brolaw for short. They went to Brolaw and they said, you seem to have this interactive relationship with God. Tell us about it. And so they interviewed him in his book from hundreds of years ago. And he was just a dishwasher, but somehow he had the presence, this conversational relationship with God. And he says this, there is not in the world a way of life more sweet and delightful than that of continual conversation with God. And I believe that. Prayer isn't part of our relationship with Jesus. Pete Grieg, another author, says this, prayer isn't part of our relationship with Jesus. It is our relationship with Jesus. Without prayer, we are religious, but we don't have a relationship. Think about that. Without prayer, it's just theory. A conversational, interactive relationship with the living God is a relationship. Without prayer, we're just religious. But with prayer, the Lord is near. With prayer, all of a sudden, He becomes our friend, and that's what He says You are my friends. You just think about, like, friends that you haven't seen in 10 years. Yeah, sometimes it feels like, oh, we can just catch up, you know, real quick and, uh, you, like, pick up where we left off, which I think is actually a good example of God. So if you haven't been praying, if you're not praying, you can just pick up where you left off. But you don't have a rich, ongoing relationship with that friend if you don't talk to them for 10 years. And so you pick up where you left off and you talk and you create a relationship. I, uh, if I don't ever talk to my wife or don't ever talk to my kids, then I don't really have a relationship with them. If I don't talk to my friends, I don't really have a relationship. And this also is what Paul knew. And he said to the Philippian church, now it's interesting, sometimes your Bibles, the verses, like it get a little bit off. And so sometimes the thought starts in the middle of the verse before. And so some of you have heard this verse before, but really we should start at the middle of verse five, not in verse six, and it's in Philippians chapter four. And it says this, a lot of times we start with, do not be anxious about anything. But Paul started his thought with this, the Lord is near. We live in a God-bathed world. 
He is everywhere. That's when Jesus said to his disciples, teach us to pray. And he said, our father in heaven, what he was really saying, our father who's as near as the air itself, I look up, the Lord is near. So do not be anxious about anything. You don't need to be anxious. The Lord is near. For Paul, his praying life started with the relationship and the recognition that God wants to be with you. God wants to be in a relationship with you. Psalm 23, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. And that's the most important part of prayer, recognizing that God wants to be with you. He wants you to talk to him. So that's number one, relationship. And then number two, why do we pray? There is a reward. There is a reward to prayer. Hebrews says anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But a lot of times we, we stop with he rewards Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards us. He answers our prayer. No, he answers our prayer based out of a relationship with him. If I said to my wife, hey, I want you to cook me breakfast every morning. I want you to do my laundry. I want you to massage my feet. Ew. <laughs> I want you to wait on me every second of every day. I want you to do all these things for me. That's not a relationship. I'm just looking for the reward. And I might be crazy, right? You'd say, Cameron, you're probably a bad husband. <laughs> There's something wrong with you if that's what you're expecting out of this relationship with your wife. And that's funny, but okay, let's walk this out. What are we expecting in our relationship with God? God, when I come to you in times of desperation, answer my prayer. Give me that thing. Do that for me. And he's going, do you earnestly seek me? A relationship with me? Prayer is not a magic spell. Prayer is not our, and a lot of times we approach prayer as if we are God and we know what is best. No, if you were God and you knew how he, what he knew, then you would love how he loves. But we're not. And so we come to him in a relationship. You see, sometimes the reward in prayer is that we actually get what we want. And so we pray with confidence and freedom. We ask and we pray. But sometimes God doesn't just answer our prayers. I'm so glad that my 16-year-old self didn't marry the girl that I was praying that God would bring into my life. I am so glad that God didn't just give me what I wanted, but he knew what I needed. And so often, God gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. And sometimes, God is silent. And when God is silent, he might still be talking to you. Sometimes, my wife is silent but she's saying a whole lot. (laughs) 
But Paul walks this out and he says, maybe God gives you what you want. Maybe he gives you what you need. Go back to that Philippians verse. Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. No, that back to one you were just at. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, so sometimes we have to petition, right? Sometimes we have to ask and ask and ask. And Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you shall find. With thanksgiving, always being thankful and open-handed and submitting to God. Present your requests to God. And what's the reward? The peace of God which transcends all understanding. I know for me, sometimes I'm asking and I'm seeking and I'm knocking and I'm praying and then all of a sudden I just feel this peace come over me. And I realize, ah, God, I just wanna be with you and you just wanna be with me. And sometimes that's all the reward I'll need that you're with me. The peace, transcendent peace. That's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So if we pursue a relationship with God, we believe that he rewards us and his peace sometimes is just the reward. So how do we pray, Cameron? How do I pray? I think the disciples knew something that often we take for granted, that prayer is learned behavior. We assume automatically if you become a Christian, you know how to pray, and prayer is just easy, and it's just not, not true. The disciples knew. They were walking with Jesus every day, and they're like, we don't know how to pray like you how to pray. We don't get it. And so for some of us, we just need to meditate on Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, and just sit there and just like, how did he pray? Let's memorize this. Let's, let's think about this. For some of us, it's just to start. But uh, Thomas Merton, a famous prayer, I think in many ways a, a professional prayer, a monk. He, no, go back. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, Thomas Merton said, all of us are students in prayer, and we're continually, always, for all of our life, students in prayer. But then Paul Miller does say this, American culture is probably the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. We're so busy that when we slow down to pray, we find it uncomfortable. Do you find it uncomfortable sometimes? So your thoughts are going crazy. Why are our thoughts always going crazy? Well, when we aren't working, we're used to being entertained. Television, the internet, video games, cell phones, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, it's all the news always there in the background. It's running in the background. You can never get away from it. The words are just flying at you all the time, all the time. It's like, of course you can't pray. And then when you actually get quiet, you're like, ooh, this is uncomfortable. I'm not used to this. I don't know how to do this. There's little space in our world to be still. I believe that that's the starting place for prayer. So you can, you can pray anywhere. You can pray in rush hour traffic. You could pray right now. You could pray while you're watching, you know, the NCAA March Madness tournament. You could pray wherever you want. But not everywhere is a good place to pray. Okay? We can pray and connect with the God of the universe any moment of the day. He said there's a freedom and a confidence there. But as a starting place for us, not everywhere is good for us to pray. So I want to show you my place that I pray. Find a time and a place. There's my chair. 
And I throw that picture up there because it's, it's just, that's the best seat in my house. Because that's where I start every morning. And that's where I try to end every evening. And when the afternoons, when I get home from work and I'm exhausted, sometimes I sit in that chair and I can hear my kids playing outside. And there's a picture frame on the other side of that room where I get to see pictures that my family sends. It's just one of those electronic frames. And I can see those people. And so those become my prayers. And look, I always have coffee. It's always there. And if I get up too late, my wife starts printing things on the printer. So that's not a good time to pray. But this is a place, this has become a sacred place for me, this blue chair. Because I can meet God there. I prepare my mind. I go when I'm at my best after coffee. And I just open myself to, to the God of the universe, who I believe wants to have a relationship with me. So after that, really, here, I'm going to give you three things as we close and kind of wrap up. How do I pray? The first one Keep it simple. I've learned a lot from my kids in prayer. They do not like to take long prayers. It is short. And it's funny because we've been praying with our kids lately and um, at the dinner table, a lot of times we'll pray. We'll pray other times too. But at the dinner table, my son Silas said, I I would like to pray. And he talks so quiet, so you're like, I'll have to lean in a little bit. Like, God, thank you my family. God, kill the devil. (laughs) Amen. I've started working that into my prayers. God, kill the devil. Just kill the devil. Like, I'm going to stand up here in confidence and freedom and say, kill the devil. And he taught me that. My six-year-old taught me that. I love it. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying in the Lord's prayer when he says, he says, Lord, deliver us from evil. At the end of the Lord's prayer, he says, deliver us from evil. That's what he's saying. Kill the devil. Kill it. Stamp it out. God, you can do it. If you could do anything, let's just start with that. But my kids also pray for dogs and cats and squirrels and lizards and all sorts of things. And sometimes the simplest prayer is the best prayer. And so my challenge to you is just to start. So my challenge is if you've never prayed and you're like, this is really foreign, other than on an airplane and I'm sweating and it's turbulence, just pray one time a day after coffee, when you're at your best, one time a day, set a time and a place, be still. Maybe it's just a minute, maybe it's two minutes. If you're already doing this, pray three times a day, okay? Morning, noon, and night. That's the rhythm that Jesus lived in. Morning, noon, and night, they would recite the Shema prayer. If you're already doing that, pray before your work meeting, pray before you go to work, before you get in the car, before you start living a life of prayer. And if you've already been doing that, I encourage you to, work on 10 minutes of silence. So for you, you know where you're at and where you've been. If we really want a relationship and a reward of prayer, jump into one of these. Just take a step. So start simple. Keep it simple. Number two, 
Keep it real. The book of Psalms is a book of prayer, and uh, it's praise and lament. And here's some of the things Psalm says. Out of the depths of my heart, I cry out to you. Another Psalm says, I'm poor and needy. Another Psalm says, hear me, God, as I voice my complaints. Another Psalm, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I am always with you. So keep it real. But like I said earlier, Jesus prayed looking up. Look up. God, I am... This sucks. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that. This sucks, God. This is the worst. But your word says, but your word says, and the joy of your word, and the joy of your presence, look up. Don't just worry yourself into a prayer life. And just, like, sometimes you look at, I look at my prayer journal, I'm like, man, God is annoyed by me because I'm just voicing complaint after complaint after complaint. And he's like, look up. Get your head out of your troubles and see the God who is good, the God who is bigger than that. Look up. And then three, keep it up. Don't jump ship. Don't jump out of the relationship before it gets really good. My wife loves romantic comedies. And a lot of times they're showing the beginning of the relationship or the end of the relationship. But the good stuff is all the stuff in between. It's the desert. It's the stuff where, you know, you stay in the relationship even though it's tough. And we like to romanticize our relationships into big, beautiful, wonderful moments of the beginning and the end and all the highlights. But our relationship with God a lot of times is just kind of mundane, and that's okay. Pete Grigg, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, says, after decades of night and day prayer, I've come to believe that 99% of it is just showing up, making the effort to become consciously present to the God who's constantly present to us. And I've, I've framed it this way, because when I say Alexa, play music, She'll always start over. Alexa, play the Beatles. She'll always start over. It's always the first song on the list. So I've stopped saying Alexa, start over, and I started saying Alexa, pause. And then I'll say Alexa, play. And she'll carry on where she just left off, playing music in our kitchen or wherever it is. So God, we don't just stop. We push pause. To be continued. I'm going to carry this on later. Keep it up. Keep going. Don't stop. For the Lord is near to all who call on him. So our prayer for this week, Matt's been giving a prayer, is this. Father, if you are near, come near to me. I want to have a rich relationship with you. I want to have a rich relationship with you. And so we're just going to practice that, okay? So I want everybody to stand up if you can. We're going to end with a song, but before we do, I just want you to reach out your hands in the posture of giving and receiving. And you know, we're just going to give you a moment. This is going to be silent. It might be uncomfortable for some of us, but we're just going to give a, a minute here. And you know what you need to give over to God, what you've been holding on to.
you know how you've been forcing God, trying to manipulate God in some ways to just give you what you want. So we give that over to God. Likewise, God, God knows what you need, but he likes it when you ask him. And so we receive. For some of us this morning, we just need to be still and let the transcendent peace of God just wash over us. Let's just be still. pray the words. Prayer's a lot like jazz, God, and sometimes we just need constant presence. And then we go off and we pray for other things. And the starting place for us is just the model of what you gave your disciples, our Father in heaven. How awesome and wonderful is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here in my life and on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our needs, our daily bread, the roof over our heads. Forgive us for the way that we've treated and sinned against others. And help us to forgive one another. Lead us not into a time of testing or temptation, but deliver us. God, kill the devil. Amen.